Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you that you search um, our hearts and reveal to us who we are and our need of Christ by the mere um, revealing of yourself and who you are, that you're holy and we're not, and that we need a righteousness that is not our own to be right with you. We need someone who lived the life that we should have lived and died the death that we should have died so that we might be at peace with you. Father, forgive us of the times that we have been cavalier in our discussion of you and your work through Christ. We're not equals, and we are brought to stark realization of that through the passage this morning. And so we pray that you would do that work in our hearts that only you can do by your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. We are in Exodus 19. Exodus 19. Um, and we're continuing that meeting of, uh, with God by the children of Israel at the foot of the mountain. So far, in verses 1 through 6, God made some promises in Exodus 19. What, what were these promises? Do you remember what they were? Pretty outlandish stuff, really. Co- common things that, you know, any God would do to a people, right? What, 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 is, the, uh, what is the statement that he makes to them? What's he going to do with them? Promises. Three things. Referring to last week's covenant? Last week's, the, the intro to the covenant, verses 1 through 6. What does he say he'll do with them? Make them a holy nation. A holy nation. And what did we say that meant? What, what did we discuss holy meant? Set apart. Set apart. He's going to make them for a purpose, for a distinct purpose. All right, what, what's another thing? Kingdom of priests. Kingdom of priests. And what, what, what did we talk about that? What was the idea behind that? He's going to use them they right they'll intercede or be the picture of who he is to the rest of the world this nation will be called out to 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 reflect the holiness the goodness the the uh, righteousness of god himself by doing what priests usually involve something okay a mediation so a nation basically of mediators um and and what what's what's involved with priestliness? There's usually something sacrifice. sacrifices there. There's a rule book that priests follow. We do things a certain way, and it's a kingdom of priests, right? A priestly king, priestly kingdom. Uh, what what's the third thing? Treasured possession. A treasured possession. God's treasured possession. He'll be special to them, or they will be special to him. He will be special. I will be your God, you will be my people. That, that language is used later on. A treasured possession against whom as opposed to what? <clears throat> treasured possession where? Uh, among whom? The peoples of the earth. All the people, this is his treasured possession. There's a calling out, a setting of affection of God on these. Sounds like some pretty grandiose big stuff, huh? I mean, you're at the foot of a mountain. You've gone through all these plagues. You've been delivered. Um, you've seen water come out of nothing, out of a rock. You, um, you, you followed the cloud 
uh, by day and the, and the pillar, which is a, a thing of fire, um, by night, not something you lay your head on. Um, you have these things going on, all these wild signs going on, and this is the promise that the God who is making all of these things happen says to you as a people, well, who would want that? We get to be special. We get to be kings, all of us. Um, we're, we're set apart from everybody else. Who wouldn't want that? Anybody? No hands, just for the record, no hands are raised. Okay, uh, everybody bow your head, close your eyes. Um, let's look at verses 7 through 15. So Moses came and called the elders of the people and set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded him. All the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses reported the words of the people to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am coming to you in a thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with you, and may also believe you forever. When Moses told the words of the people to the Lord, the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. And let them wash their garments and be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai and the sight of all the people. And you shall set limits for the people all around saying, Take care not to go up into the mountain or touch the edge of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall be put to death. No hand shall touch him, but he shall be stoned or shot, whether beast or man. He shall not live. When the trumpet sounds a long blast, they shall come up to the mountain. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people and consecrated the people, and they washed their garments. And he said to the people, Be ready for the third day. Do not go near a woman. We'll just kind of let that last line linger. What's going on here? What's going on? We had all these great promises. Now there's this, oh, a dark cloud over everything. What's going on? Why is this here? seems like there's a common theme of holiness, of set-apartness. Okay. That, uh, as the people are, are to be set apart, mm-hmm. so is God represented in this mountain that no one should touch and no one should go up on. Okay. Like there's a very specific time and way that they are even to approach God because God is so separate and different from these people. The $10 word, I think, would be transcendent, right? Transcendent. You like that word? It's a good word, transcendent. He's above you. He's above us. Um, he's, he's different than us. Um, God is not your homeboy. And, and doesn't that come across here? Don't touch the mountain. He walked in the garden with Adam. Why not touch the mountain? What's, what's the point of this? What is, what, is the, what is the picture here? You've been separated from God by sin. Yeah, but they get consecrated for two days. They wash their garments. <laughs> Does this bring to a, a vivid 
um, realization, for, or should it, for us. I'm sure it did for them, hopefully. Well, we'll see, probably it didn't. Um, the difference between us and God because of our sin. It's a big deal. The, the, the biggest problem that we have is not uh, a lack of a boyfriend or girlfriend. The biggest problem we have is not uh, uh, our family lives. Uh, uh, the biggest problem we have is not finances. The biggest problem we have is sin. It has made a, a, a canyon between you and God, between me and God. It's huge. And here's the picture. Moses, in verse 7, he's continuing to act as the mediator between God and Israel. How, and, and when we talk about mediator, what is he doing there? What, what, is, what is his role? He's relaying word for word what God has said. And how does he do it here? How does that happen? He calls this group called the Elders of Israel. It's the first time we really see them as a group, I think, coming forward. And they're representing the people. And he relays word for word to them what God has said. And then they, in turn, are to relay to the people what God has said. So you see this successive uh, mediation thing going on. It's still word for word. But what words is he setting before them? What, what, is, what is he telling them? heard so far this these words that he's relaying to the elders what 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 is he saying to them so far anything that would be a little bit you know cause you to raise your eyebrow he's telling them this isn't he my special treasure kingly priests holy nations he's telling them verses one through six that's what he's been given to tell Does this tell them the scope of the covenant here? Kind of some rudimentary, this is, what's, this is what the promises are. And what, uh, what is their response to what Moses says? We will do this. We will do everything. Well, yeah. Why wouldn't you do everything that the Lord has said? This is what you have. These are the promises. They're accepting the most fundamental, general propositions that God has put out so far. He hasn't even asked them to say, will you agree? I mean, this is, this is like, this is, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to do in you. He hasn't gotten to their responsibility yet. And they're already saying, we're in. We're all in. You can count on us. We're all over that covenant. That's good stuff right there. I'm living that. They don't really... Okay, do you see people do that with the gospel? Save me from my sin. I get a free pass for all I've done. Woo, count me in. Let's see how fast I can get down that aisle. There are requirements put upon us, are there not? 
Even in Christ? Yes? Do we agree? The law of Christ constrains us, Paul says. It seems very hasty to me, this response of theirs. It's immediate, unhesitating, and it's a corporate thing. They're all doing it. Not not one of them says, no, okay, that sounds great. What's required of us? Not, Not one of them stops and says, "What? count the cost. What's involved here? How can they all agree to what the Lord has spoken when His whole will has not been revealed yet? They jump right in. All right. So Moses reports as mediator between God and the people back to God what they said. Now, if I were in a mediation and my client takes the first offer that comes in. Woohoo! You know, I remember one, uh, I, this didn't happen to me, it was a friend of mine, it was in a mediation one time, there were, it was a car wreck case, and the, the, wall, the, the different rooms were all glass, right? But you couldn't hear, but it was all glass, so everybody could kind of see what was going on, but you couldn't hear. And so he said, he's sitting there in the mediation, and the first offer comes in, and his client goes, yeah, like this. Well, mediation's over. Client's happy with the first offer. You're not going to have any counter, right? This is the picture I have with these guys. Yeah, we'll do that. The, the second volley of what's required of you has not come in uh, yet. So Moses go back, goes back and says, they're taking the first offer. <laughs> All right? they're, they're immediately agreeing to the promises. So then what happens? What does God say? Verse 9. What, what, what is he saying is coming? Anybody have a different translation than ESV? Or maybe a textual note? Dense. dense cloud, thick cloud. The idea is dark cloud here. Maybe another translation might have dark cloud. Um, why a dense, thick, or dark cloud? Why do you think he... Why not a dove? Why not a bunny? Something serious to consider. What's the tone of a of darkness? What do we know from dark? Uh, the, 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 the metaphor of darkness in the Bible. Quiet, maybe solemnness, solemnity. Um, what's another one? Fear. Fear. Why? The unknown. You can't see, and you don't know what's going on around you. You have kind of like with God, fear of God. Do you remember the the darkness of the plagues? One of the plagues was the, the darkness, and they said it could be felt. Remember that? It's kind of a weird idea. What was that? I know. What was that? That was a judgment, right? That was a judgment idea. And, and there's, kind of this, there's kind of this thing here going on. Um, it's not all rosy. I'm holy. You're not. There's the, the idea of, of judgment in the background to the people. There's a God is a God of wrath, He's a God of justice, He's a God of, of holiness. We need to revere that, respect that. And so that's the picture. He comes in a dark cloud, a thick, dense cloud. It, it may be a physical warning not to rebel against God or the covenant mediator Moses. What, what's the purpose of him coming down? It says, he, I will come down. God's everywhere, right? Why would he say come down? What, what's, the, what's imparting there? 
Make his presence known, okay. He has to come down from somewhere, meaning he's way high above us, transcendent. So there's a transcendent idea. What's also included? So they can hear him when he speaks, so that they'll believe him forever. Okay. There's separation, too. If he, if he speaks where he is and they can't hear him, then he has to come down. When you're hearing something, is that a is that a uh, spiritual thing? What's involved in hearing? If it is, we need to talk. What's involved in hearing? And in fact, what membrane? Okay, so some kind of membrane thing going on in where? Is that a spiritual response or a material response? <coughs> Is that a created thing responding in the way that it was created to hear? Right? God is moving through His creation. He's working by means of His creation to impart Himself. Right? So we have transcendent God, who, who he ain't natural. He's not us. Comes down and works by means of His creation. He's eminent. So we have transcendence and eminence. And this is a constant theme in the Bible. Most... Uh, heightened and and expressed in the person of Christ. Fully God, fully man. But here we have this idea again of God being transcendent, big, huge, ain't us, among us. That's unique, by the way, among all world religions. It's one or the other. God is both. Okay. He wants the people to hear him speaking with Moses. Why does he want this to happen? Why does he want them to hear him speaking with Moses? What's involved there? Believe you forever. Why? Why is that important? He's got this great mason hidden up in the mountain. He's just chiseling out this stuff that looks like the finger of God, but not quite. Um, what had been going on? What have they been having issues with so far? False gods. Okay, false gods. And what about in, in maybe in relation to Moses? Like, say, when there's no water. Uh, Complain to him. Complain to him. And, and that was, in, in, in effect, they got so hostile that Moses said, they're going to stone me, right? So they're rebelling against his authority as mediator. So God takes a step to address that issue. And there's dark cloud on the mountain. He's speaking with Moses, and the people can hear it. But he's only speaking with Moses. Does that give you street cred? Is it, I'm seeing people nod their head yes. Um, I'm thinking if, if Philip is standing on the podium and a dark cloud comes down, Philip, tell the people of Sylvania, that I'm listening to Philip. Right? From a distance. From a distance. And we'll see that here. Uh, Peter says something very interesting. He also saw something on the mountain. 
didn't he? Christ revealed. And says that even more sure than that is the, is the word that you have, which you do well to heed. So when someone stands up and preaches the word, um, I would argue that that's more street cred, if they're sticking to the word, <laughs> that they have more street cred even than Moses on the mountain. Because we have a sure word. But maybe that's another topic for another time. But anyway, it's a cool visual. And then he says, what else? It's a testimony to Moses' authority. Um, if anything physical is going to do it, I would think it would be this. If anything physical that... Ha- Are you all hot in here? You warm? Yeah. Okay, I don't know what's going on here. Um, if anything physical is going to do it, um, it's not going to be what I just did on the temperature. Uh, this would be it. They see that. You might want to open the door. Could you open the door, uh, Ty? Um, to see the cloud, to hear the voice, surely they'll listen to Moses now, right? Jesus has, well, Isaiah has that statement hearing. They will not hear, seeing they will not see. It doesn't get more visually um, confirming than God speaking to the man of God on the mountain. And yet, we see later, they still rebel against him. All right, what are they to do in response to this? What are they to do? Okay, we'll get to that at the end. (laughs) I was going to say, always a good plan, but now I'm not going to say. Um, what, I'm just kidding. What, what is it that they are to do? What are the things? Consecrate themselves. Consecrate themselves. What does that mean, consecrate themselves? Cleanse themselves, make themselves holy, sanctification. So set yourselves apart, right? Kind of the holiness idea, same kind of idea. How are they to do this? What are the instructions? What's up with that? Why would you do that? Wash your garments. So that you'll be clean, present yourself to God. Does that do it? Washing their clothes? Is it symbolic? Symbolic of what? Trying to rid ourselves of Would be maybe of, of what's supposed to be going on at the heart level? Submitting, depending upon who he is, what he's done, um, and their garments are washed. What does that say? You've got to consecrate yourself for a few days. You've got to wash your garments. Get ready. Be prepared. I'm coming. What does that say? This a party? Will there be wassail? What does this say?
in the presence of the dark cloud. In the same geography. Yeah. Yeah. For three days. Okay, so we do the three days. Two, we meet him on the third day. They still can't go on the mountain. It's kind of picky. What's what's that say? I mean, I I want to go up and see him. I want to I want to. I mean, clouds, great. He's a person. We hear him. We, we you say he speaks. What does it look like? I don't get to see him in the cloud. Why can't I go up? I wash my clothes. Stay away from a woman. It means no matter what you do, there's still a fundamental separation and divider. A fundamental separation and divider remains, which is, which is sin. He's holy. I'm not. There's also the foreshadowing. Maybe. Maybe. Be ready. They're to prepare for a sober, serious event. They had to be ready. The two days of preparation. That's um, the three days thing. You're right. It does have a lot of... It has a lot of uh, importance in Scripture. Remember Abraham when he was sacrificing Isaac? Remember God said, go travel to here and, and sacrifice. Remember how long the journey was? I'll just take a guess. Three Three days, four days, Ty says. He's looking, flipping. Study Bible says four. It's not right. Um, Three days. Why was it three days? You remember? Why did we we talked about why? Why didn't he just go outside the camp and do it right then? Get it? Because it's what? Because three days are symbolic. What goes on in three days? You're traveling to go uh, put a knife in your son on top of a burning pyre. What 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 happens with that? A lot of bonding on the way. Okay, getting your heart ready. Takes some thinking. Every step you're thinking, I'm doing this. I'm getting closer to actually do this. Do I want to do this? Did I? Was this a talk away? Did I heard this? What? Why am I doing this? I'm going to do this. I'm going to trust him. Do I really trust him? Yeah, I trust. Well, do I? It's my son. It's the only one. Do I trust it? This whole conversation is going on with the multiple voices that are in all of our heads telling us things. If you don't have them, I'm sorry. but He's pondering. He's thinking. He's reflecting on what he's about to experience, what he's about to do, that journey. It's the same thing here. They're to consecrate themselves. Why am I washing my garment? He's holy. I'm not. He's king. I'm a commoner. <laughs> right? This is a time of reflection for them. And you shall set limits for the people all around. That word, set limits, what's involved there is setting of a boundary. You know how they use boundary stones, markers of people's land? You know, you shall not move a boundary stone or you'll be stoned or whatever. Um, the, the, the idea there is this is mine. This mountain is mine. Don't cross... Don't trespass. Don't sin against my border. Don't trespass. Take care not to go up into the mountain or touch the edge of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall be put to death. 
literally the put to death says, dying you will die. And it's the same language that was used with Adam and Eve in Genesis 2. Dying you will die. How are they to die? What's going to happen? If someone touches a mountain, a beast goes up into the mountain, what happens? They go after them? They can't touch them. They're shot or stoned. They're not to touch. Why would they? Why? Why not put your hand on and strangle them? Big golem, you know, for the ring. Why would? Why? Why would you not? It's because he touched the mountain. Okay. So God's presence is there. He he defiles the mountain of God. You're not even to to touch. You're not even to touch this person who has transgressed my my boundary. That's, well, yeah, there, there is that idea. He, again, transgressed what was holy and, and, and owned by God. No one is to touch the violator. They might become violators themselves. That's the idea. Um, and this isn't a joke. It's very serious. This person that does this, or this animal that does this, will certainly die. They're going to be executed, but from a distance. Then it says, when the trumpet sounds a long blast, they shall come up to the mountain. Not touch it, not go up into it, but come up to it. So they get front row seats to see Moses talking with the cloud. Verse 14 and 15. Moses gives an altar call. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people. Again, he's mediator. And consecrated the people. They needed a mediator to teach them how to consecrate themselves. And they washed their garments. He oversaw that they did what the Lord had said. And he said to the people, Be ready for the third day. Do not go near a woman. Why would he say that? God doesn't like sex. Is that why he says that? No. What's going on? <laughs> Did you say because that would be a really big sacrifice? Is that what you? Okay. Um, well, if they're thinking about women, they're not thinking about God. Okay. If their minds are on what is normal, right, and true in a marriage relationship, but at this point, we need to be thinking on what's norm beyond what's normal. But this is extraordinary. What's going on? What's going to happen here? Um, Paul talks about the time to come to be apart for prayer and to set, set apart, uh, set yourselves apart. But then he says, "Well, never mind." Um, so don't make that too long, unless you sin or whatever. So, um, so you have this idea of something that's not natural that they're 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 committing themselves to um, a, a fast of sorts uh, to. Uh, to meet with God on the mountain. All right. All this fun stuff. And then you hear this. What would your response be? Did we say all that the Lord said we would do? Is that what we said? What I wished I would have said. This would be terrifying. Don't you think? Yes, no? Couple of days washing your clothes and avoiding your tent. Um, they've just pledged their eternal devotion, and now and now this. 
they're, they're, they're bound to a covenant they did not know. All of this is necessary. Why? These are the terms of the covenant. This is where it's coming to. It sets who the parties are. God is holy. We're not. Sin has made a separation between you and your God, and you can't bridge that. You can't fix that. You could make this a week of Sundays of consecrating yourself, washing your clothes, and avoiding your tent, and still it would not be enough between you and God. All right. Turn to Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12, start verse 18. Lynn Teague taught a few Sundays ago on a better covenant. Compare what you've just read about the Mosaic covenant with what the writer of Hebrews says here. For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given, if even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Christ comes and appears resurrected on the third day. Do you think those two days between the cross and the moving of the stone, there was some contemplation? We thought he was the one. But he said he was the one. We trust him, but he's dead. But we thought he was the one. He has to be the one. We wouldn't have followed him this long. He did all these things. There's contemplation going on. And on the third day, he raises from the dead, rises from the dead. Not in the dark of judgment, but in the light of grace. He bridges the gap. The sin that has separated you from your God has been bridged. Peace comes between the one who is transcendent that you can't see him in the dark cloud and we who are of dark heart. Christ bridges the gap and he's not withheld from touch. If you touch me, you get stoned, shot. He says to his disciples, 
Thomas especially, the doubter, put your hand in my side. Touch the scars in my hands and my feet. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father, he, he told them earlier. God who can be touched, who is eminent with us. He eats fish with them on the beach. It's a better covenant, isn't it? And yet he's still not your homeboy. Any, any questions? Any statements? 10 o'clock. Y'all are awfully quiet this morning. You know, Turkey has MSG. I'm just telling you. All right, let's pray. Father, I pray that this text does what it's supposed to do, which is to impress upon us the heaviness, the weightiness of your holiness in relation to our sin. I hope that it does for us more than it did for this generation of Israelites who a few days later are worshiping some golden calf. God, we want to be at the feet of Christ always, worshiping Him, loving Him by our obedience to his commands. Fearing his transcendence, but basking in his eminence. Conscious and reverent of the fact that you are other, wholly other than us, and yet warmed by the love of Christ who would go to the cross for us. That has to do something to us. That has to draw us into a type of living that reflects the God who has made himself known to us. Not out of a sense of being right with you anymore. Because you've done that, it's finished. But because we love Christ, we forsake all others. And all things. And that has consequences. How we deal with each other. And how we deal with those who are not in Christ. So I pray that by your spirit. You would continue to draw us closer to him. Don't let us get wrapped up in. Works based. Holiness. That we have to keep. Fighting and fighting. To make ourselves right with you. But God let us rest and work from a position of rest that because of Christ the gap has been bridged and we are free to live as unto you. Pray for all these things in Christ's name. Amen.